extend Christian greetings to each one present this morning. Thankful to see each one has come out this morning. Thankful for the prayers that have been offered and continue to be offered. This morning we're fighting a battle. The powers of darkness are out there, but the God we serve. This morning a brother came and he asked me if I have the message this morning. And he put my mind in a spin since then. I'd like to present the challenge to you this morning. In the Old Testament, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have the way of communication that we do today. So they relied on someone running in and saying, I have a message. So all the people just sat back and relaxed when they see the runner coming. No. We have an, uh, an example that they said, is there a message? Does that have anything to do with the posture you have this morning? Is there a message? Yes, there is a message. Forget the message bearer, but remember the message is our prayer this morning. And I know you've been exposed to the word of God various times, and you, when you prepare a message, you wonder, well, now, they've been immersed so often. Will any more soak in? Well, I don't know, but we want to be faithful message bearers this morning. Yesterday, we toured Bass Pro, and I don't know what went through your mind, but did any of you think about a man standing out there on the dirt, and having an idea, you know, let's build this little building here. And we'll put a couple of goldfish in it, and we'll have people come look at it. Can you picture with me a man that was standing out there in the dirt? The lawn maybe was mowed. It was mowed grass. I don't know. And he's saying, you know, I'd like to build something. I'd like to build something that's going to be interest of people. There was a lot of uh, detail went to structure. There was a lot of details that were filled on the inside. Dear youth, this morning, God has a plan for you much more than the man that built Bass Pro had. He knows every detail for you. Let's turn our Bibles to Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Bible school is a blessed time. It's kind of a greenhouse effect. You've been sheltered from a lot of things out there. Yes, you have connections out there, but you've been sheltered from a lot of things out there. Bible school is not just the information you receive, but what are you going to with the information you have? Let's turn to Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know, this is God speaking, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God has a plan for your life this morning, everyone here this morning. God has a plan. I want you to remember that. But I'd like to ask you a question. What is your vision this morning? What is your goal in life this morning? When you leave this place in a week from now where you'll be worshiping, what is your plan? What are your interests? What's going to come out? We have the different soil types that we've looked at already. We have stony ground. We have good ground. What you have received in your teaching here, dear youth, this morning is going to be manifested a year from now, and 20 years from now, and 30 years from now. I went to Bible school 40-some years ago, and there's things I still remember being taught that have influenced my life, and I trust that you will too. We use the same word of God back then that we have to offer you this morning. It is the solution to all of life's problems. It's just not an option. It's the roadmap to glory. But now this morning, I'd like to look on the side of life that maybe isn't so pleasant to start with. But let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 9. I invite you this morning to follow along 
You know, I believe we take this to the church for a reason. Satan this morning wants to distract you. He wants you to whisper to your friends a little bit. He wants to do anything he can on that ground out there. But when you focus on the Word of God and we read the Word of God, I believe it penetrates. Luke 9, verse 57. Begin reading. And it came to pass, as they went in the way, certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. If I would ask for a hand raised this morning, I believe majority of the people would make this kind of a commitment. I want to. But you know, our want to is very, very weak sometimes. Very, very weak. Verse 58, And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Continue on in chapter 10. After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face, into every city and place, whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth labors into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, this is Jesus speaking. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. What is the chance of a lamb surviving around a pack of wolves? Let's go to Isaiah 40. Verse 11. It's a beautiful verse in the context that we just shared. Lambs amongst wolves. Isaiah 40, verse 10. Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom. And shall gently lead those that are with young. Do you get the picture? Lambs among wolves. The only way that lamb can survive is a connection with the shepherd. My dear friends, this morning, the only way you're going to survive the fiery darts of that wicked one is your connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. Never apologize for that connection. Never apologize for reading the Word of God. Never apologize for practicing the word of God. It is forever settled in heaven. At the end of life, that's what we're going to be judged by. Not what man thinks, but what God thinks. That connection with the shepherd is the only way that you and I can be faithful through the trials that are going to come in our lives. We go back to the beginning of time. I'd like to turn back to Genesis 3, verse 9. This is the first question that was asked in the Bible, I think. You know, we go back to the beginning of time. We think of that beautiful garden. And we think of all the pleasant things that were there, all the animals that were there, and all the, the nice fruit trees that were there. But we know what happened. In Genesis 3, verse 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? This morning, I'd like to ponder, for you to ponder briefly, Where art thou? If time would be over right now, where would you be? That is connected with where art thou today. 
We're on this side of eternity. But where are you this morning? Where are you in your walk with God? We want to take a journey through the scriptures. What strengths have you gained this several weeks and one more week? What have you gained? Oh, we've had a lot of good times. Okay? That's what Bible school is about. But where are the good times? In the dorm? I'm sure there's good times down there. In the kitchen? Oh, there's good times there. Where are the good times? They should be getting lifetime nourishment should be good times too. The others are all okay in their place. But youth this morning, you have two choices to make. It is a choice by intent to choose the path that is not popular this morning, to choose the path of holiness. And the Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. That's not what I said. That's what the Bible says. So are you going to choose the path of holiness? Or are you going to, by, by neglect and a casual mentality, mander down the other way? That's also a choice and with a result. What's your choice going to be? Where art thou? Let's go back to the New Testament again. Luke chapter 22. These verses are very sobering verses. It should behoove us. Very much. Luke 22, verse 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I, this is Jesus speaking, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Why did Jesus say when thou art converted? At this point, Simon's commitment was pretty shallow. Pretty shallow, which is going to be revealed. But dear youth this morning, Satan desires to have you. I say that with a heavy heart. I realize this morning I am fully aware that the powers of darkness are out there this morning. And they're trying to come in here this morning. And by the grace of God and the prayers of the saints, we want this light to illuminate your life. But when you go home, when you hit the trials of life, do you have enough root structure if the drought hits to follow on through? Satan desires to have thee. He may come to you as a roaring lion, and he may come to you as an angel of light. Yea, hath God said. As he did to Adam and Eve when he comes to Eve there, and he says, did God tell you, you, did he say you can't eat of that tree? He knows if you eat of that tree, your eyes are going to be opened. Did he say the truth? Yes, he did. But if he had told Eve, if you eat of that tree, you're going to be chased out of this garden, she may have thought. Satan uses partial truths to make it very, very tricky on us. But it changes, doesn't change the consequences, just changes the dangers of it. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11. Let's turn our Bibles to that. <coughs> Here again, some very plain language. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11 says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Brothers and sisters, this morning, 
It's for everyone, not just young people. Let's not be ignorant of his devices. Satan is using a lot of camouflage material, a lot of camouflage methods this morning to deceive the very elect. So I come back to my question, where art thou? Where art thou? 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13 and 14. Here it's given in some examples. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostle of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. We are living in a time that there's a lot of professing speech out there. But their new works do not align up with what the word of God teaches. And will let the word of God be their judge. But my dear friends this morning... You need a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ to discern right from wrong. You must enjoy the word of God. If you use the word of God only in time of trouble, my dear friends, I'm here to tell you, you're going to be defeated. We're going to look at some examples in the Old Testament of people who had a shallow relationship. There is many people today who are saying, yes, Lord, we've done wonderful things. And they may perform miracles. They may convert partially thousands of people. But when it comes down to the discipleship and walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a miss. There's an example that we have in the Old Testament that I think of many times. And that is the example, we're not going to read all these verses this morning. But I would suggest that you take a journey and read Judges 13, 14, 15, several chapters there. We have this man, Samson. And when he was born, it says that the Lord was with him. And we know this man, Samson, became a very strong man physically, but he was a very weak man emotionally. He was a man who loved the attention that he got. He was a man that could go out and he could get people's attention. What do you think it looked like when he got out there and he takes 300 foxes and ties their tails together? You have all these foxes out there and he lights every tail and he lets them run. Oh, that was great humor, was it? But you know what it revealed in his heart? It revealed there was a void in his life. Dear friends this morning, especially young people, sometimes we get attracted to things that, that make humor and those things that really make, seem a point for right now. They're very enjoyable for right now. But you know what? It becomes very destructive to our own life. And that's where Samson was at. Samson went down and he found this woman amongst the Philistines. And he went back to his mom and dad and he said, Can you get her? And they said, Can't you find a wife of her own people? And he said, get her, for she pleases me well. And we know what happened when he hit his first trial in life. He hit his first draught. He got mad and he stomped home to mom and dad again. Well, I thought she pleased him well. What happened? How can you find companionship outside of Christianity this morning and have the same goal? You can't. You cannot serve God and mammon. It's opposing forces. And that was very seen this very much here. You know, he liked to have fun. He was a great entertainer. And that's what probably connected with his first wife. And he walked away. And when he come down, that's when he lit the fox's tails. But Samson was a person that was very irrational. He was very immature. You know how many things that his physical strength helped him accomplish? 
Dear friends this morning, if he had used that physical strength for the honor and the glory of God, look at the battles that he could have won. But he was a very self-centered person. He was a very, he had a good time, he thought. And he had all his riddles. He had all these people coming around. And he, he would just baffle them with a riddle after riddle. And they were getting a little frustrated, this man, this humorous man. What's ailing him? They finally came down to his secret. And he revealed his secret because of an improper relationship that he had with someone who did not have the same goals. This is not a marriage, this is not a youth preparing for life class, but I'd like to tell you, brothers and sisters, this morning, when you're looking for companionship, look for somebody that has the same goals, who has practiced the same practices that you have when it concerns relationship with Lord Jesus Christ. If not, it's for havoc. I could tell you accounts of those who were very talented people, who felt that they're going to win the other partner over to only find themselves living a life of defeat. That's what Samson found himself. After all this humor and everything, he lost his strength when he got his hair cut. And he went out. And what did he do? Can you imagine this strong man sweating away with his eyes poked out, grinding at the wheel of the Philistines every day? There's many a person who has walked away from God and who's grinding at the mill of the Philistines' work, day by day sweating it out. Suffering from the choices that he made. What do you think went all through Samson's mind as he walked that circle day after day? My mind, I see a Samson, this man that had this smile and chuckles and laughs and everything going on. Pushing that, grinding at the wheel every day with tears streaming down his face. And he says, oh, if only I would have done this. If only someone had told me, where art thou, Samson? If only, if only, if only, if only, as he went around that circle day after day after day. And his enemies are around him and saying, hey, we got him now. We got him now. He's our servant. Do you want the life of Samson this morning? Grinding at the wheel of the world. Your youth this morning, it's a choice you're making personally. Your mom and dad can't make it for you. Your friends can't make it for you. Your preachers can't make it for you. It's a personal choice. But remember, there's a destiny. There's results. Samson made this choice. And we know the end of the count. His hair grew back. And he had a, some person lead him over to the pillars. And he pulled them together. And he died with the Philistines. But thanks be to God, he is listed in Hebrews chapter 11. But my dear friends, this morning, you don't have to live the life of a Samson to get to heaven. It's by the mercy of God that he was rescued. What's your lifestyle this morning? Are you serious with God? When God comes and puts his finger on you and he says, where art thou? Are you like the rich man that came to Jesus? And Jesus gave him a whole list of things. And he said, I've kept all these things. I've done all these practices ever since I was a young man. And Jesus said, Go and sell what thou hast and come follow me. And he hung his head and he walked away. It only takes one sin to keep you out of the heaven, out of heaven. But the love of Jesus, and we'll get to that later on in the message, will put his finger on those things to help us correct them. That's why Jesus revealed it to him. If Samson would have only stopped when he was warned by his parents, 
How many times, dear youth, this morning have you been warned by your parents? And you've walked away and said, Mom and Dad are kind of old-fashioned. I'm going to touch the stove myself to see if it's hot. And you touch it and you say, Oh, Dad, why didn't you tell me how painful it is? And Dad says, My son, I tried. A mom says, My daughter, I tried. What are your thoughts this morning? Are you going to be a Samson? Are you willing to be enjoy good old-fashioned teaching this morning? A relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you enjoy reading from the Word of God? Do you love preaching from the Word of God? Do you love your connection with, the, with God? Or are you looking for something that's more thrilling, but so casual? So casual. This morning, sometimes we have people in life. And if I would ask how many this morning feel that they come from an unfortunate circumstance, it would be interesting to hear. But one of the greatest Hebrews, uh, heroes in the Bible, I believe his father was an ungodly priest, ungodly leader. But he became a hero because of the choice that he had. In Genesis 12, we have a choice that Abraham made. He left. He left the Chaldeans. He left the world. He left those influences to follow God. He came from an unfortunate background. <clears throat> he didn't have the teaching that, that we would today. But it was a choice that he made that he became a man of faith. If you read that in Hebrew, Genesis chapter 12, it said God called him and he responded. I think it's within the same chapter. It says there was a great drought. And I for myself have wondered, why did God, after he called him and he so faithfully responded, why did God send the drought? Why does God send drought in people's lives? It's because he wants you to have a relationship with him. <clears throat> when our children were small, and I think most parents would give this, could support this idea. When our children were small, we'd go somewhere. They didn't want to hold on daddy's hand. They'd wander off. They wanted to look at this. They wanted to look at that. But you let something happen out there that scared them. Where did they go? They didn't mind holding on daddy's hands. They actually came and grabbed daddy's hand. They found security there. That's what the trials in life should do to us, not don't let him crush you, but let him break your will and hold on to the Father's hand. <clears throat> so this morning, you can't change your past. You can't undo that. You can have your past forgiven. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sins. You may have scars you have to work through. You may have, I don't know what you fill in the blanks that you have to work through. But let me tell you this morning... The Jesus that I have learned to know and the Jesus that I know that you can know, he can save you, he can heal you, and he can cleanse you, and he can take you home to glory. What a day that will be. So this morning, I don't know what your past is, but I can only point you to a good future in your commitment and your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Another young man we have in the Old Testament this morning Many of us like this account. A man by the name of Joseph. Joseph came from an unfortunate circumstance, didn't he? 
He came from a home of partiality. He came from an imperfect home. Sometimes young people, I'm not picking on you this morning. I'm trying to keep it practical because I was a young person like you are one time. And I never will be again. But sometimes we get this mentality that I'm kind of a victim because I come from a home that's not perfect. So therefore, it gives me excuses for thus, thus, and thus, and thus, and thus. Excuses don't get you nowhere except gives you muddy hands and a mixed up mind. But Joseph came from a home that was full of partiality, which made his brothers hate him, which made his brothers, when he seen him coming, oh, there comes the dreamer. And so he made his brothers take him and put him in a pit. Do you think they tenderly let him down there real because they loved him so deeply? I see them because of what the, their mentality was. They took him over and shoved him over like you would a pail of dirt. And he was down in the pit. Oh, he was down there pitying himself probably. I don't know. He was human, but I don't think he was down there pitying. He may have been asking himself the question, well, why am I here? What did I do? The brothers are conniving. Here comes this group of people. Hey, we can make money on them, our brother. Let's sell them. We'd rather have cash than our brother. And so what did they do? That's what they did. They sold him. So Joseph's going down with his camel train. And in his mind, he's thinking, what did I do? I would love to go home to my father. I would love to love my brothers that don't love me. They take him down to this strange country. And this same group of people has the same mentality. We want cash rather than the man. And he's sold again. <clears throat> and because of his relationship with God, he, we know what happened. He went into Pharaoh's place. And he received recognition because of his godly conduct. Because of his mannerism. <clears throat> Not because he was educated in natural things, but because he had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Honesty and integrity supersede all book knowledge. Book knowledge is important, but honesty and integrity. He was a man of integrity, taking care of Pharaoh's house. It says that he knew more of what Pharaoh had than he did himself. But here we have another test coming. Because of his godly character, young men this morning, this is still happening today on both sides of the house. Because of his godly character, because he was a virtuous man, this woman cast her eyes on him and she tried to, be, to get him to commit fornication. And Joseph says, how can I commit this great sin against my God? And he got himself out of there. He left his garment. I've often wondered, could he somehow how not have his garment with him to get him out of there that she had no proof? But he was not going to risk it. Dear youth this morning, if you find yourself in those situations, there's only one solution. Get yourself out of there and quickly... Because Satan's tactics will break down the barriers and you will have lasting results that can be forgiven <clears throat> with many scars. He was put in prison. When he was in prison, we know what happened. He found fa favor again. And he interpreted a dream, hoping to be released. But he wasn't. He spent his time in prison. One day Pharaoh has a dream. And all of a sudden somebody remembered. said, you know what? There is a man in jail. There is a man that you put in prison. He could give us the answer to your dream. Pharaoh says, bring him out. 
They brought him out and cleaned him up and brought him to Pharaoh. And he tells Pharaoh there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Again, he is put in a place to protect, to guide, and to keep the crops. I'd like to turn to Genesis chapter 41. There are some words here I'd like for to penetrate in our minds this morning. Genesis 41, verse 38. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a man, such a one as this, a man whom the Spirit of God is? Verse 39. For as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. This wise was because of his conduct, because of his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I stand in marvel. I am blessed when I see young people who are committed to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. They are not ashamed to be identified as God's people. They'd rather, they want to be identified as God's people. They don't want to be identified as a some club out there. They want to be identified as God's people. That's where Joseph found himself. And we know what happened as time went on. His brothers came down there. And let's look at his mentality. The verses that what he shared to them. At the close of this occasion. Genesis 45. You know Joseph could have tried his brothers a lot more severe than he did. But look at his outlook in life. Genesis 45, verse 7, And God sent me before you to preserve your posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father of Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Look at the beauty of what was accomplished. Who had the hard life? It was his brothers at home trying to cover their deceit. There is unfortunately people today who try to live down sin all their life, and maybe on their deathbed they repent. How sad. How sad. How sad. We have another Bible character in the Old Testament. <clears throat> we have Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, a bit about verse 4, I think it says that he was well favored. He was not going to... <clears throat> and uh, it gives there the account... When they wanted to give them their food, Daniel being a Jew who was not willing to be caught eating the food that the rest of the Babylonians did. What would it have mattered? What would have it mattered? It says that he was wiser, ten times wiser than the rest of those that ate all the food things that the world has to offer. I think I'm safe in saying this morning that godly youth are much wiser than the most educated people out there. Because they understand there's life after death. They understand what they're living for. They understand what their calling in life is. Yes, we need education, but in the proper place. <clears throat> Secular education will never exceed Holy Spirit-directed teaching. Let's remember that, dear friends. And we have them coming to another in Daniel chapter 5. We come to another trial. You know, because of this group of people he was in, when it comes to interpreting dreams, Daniel <clears throat> was able to interpret them better than they could. You know, jealousy runs, can creep in so easy, can't it? So we have this group of people, 
And they get jealous. And so they go to the king and say, King, this Daniel is spending a lot of time with his God. Would you make a, would you make a prayer, a law that he can't pray to his God? Because <clears throat> this is not in the Bible. This is my own thinking. If we can connect, cut that connection with God, I think he'll be down on our level of understanding. And then we'll all be equal. So the king makes this command. Daniel falls down on his knees. And he continues his prayer. He continued with his wisdom. You know what happened. They came to the king and said, King, you made this law. Anybody who continues praying is going to be cast in the lion's den. If you read that account, what I think is so interesting. When Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, I think it was the king came to him and he told Daniel, he said, Thy God will deliver you. Dear young people this morning, the world knows your God by the life that you're living and your relationship with God. Could they say that about us this morning? Thy God will deliver you. And Daniel's testimony was when he come, he says, My God has shut the lion's mouth. So often we want to say, I did this or we did this. Instead of saying, my God has shut the lion's mouth. Going back to earlier in the message, we referred to the devil as a roaring lion. The same God who shut the lion's mouth with Daniel is the same God who can shut the lion's mouth when it comes to a roaring lion that's attacking people. If you have the right connections. But the connect, it's your choice and it's my choice. Where art thou this morning in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? <clears throat> we have another example in Daniel, the three Hebrews, and how they were tried. And how the king said, we have everybody bow down to this great image that I have set up. I marvel the testimony. They said, in my own words, they said, King, you can just toss us in right now if you want to, because we're not going to change our mind. Because our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ but today we would have people that come along and say, now wait a minute, wait a minute here. The church is requiring too much. Can't we negotiate a little bit here? Dear friends, this morning, you can never negotiate with the devil. You're no match for him. When you start playing with those things, you're going to be defeated. We are no match for the powers of darkness, but the God we serve has him defeated and will continue to defeat him. But it's our connection with that. Dear youth this morning, what would have been wrong with them negotiating? What about us today? 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's not my speaking. That is what God said. If you love the world, you can't love God. You can't have divided loyalties. That's clear teaching from the word of God. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Is not of the Father, but is of the world. But today, <coughs> excuse me, so many times, we don't want to say it's from the world. The world is always trying, you know, you build a building, it will start deteriorating. We need preservatives to preserve it. And so it is in the Christian life. <coughs> Are you willing to be thrown in the furnace of ridicule, mockery, not being the popular one, the goody-goody one. Not joining the popular group that so many times is living on the edges. These might be the idols that we face today. Not attending places that distract from relationship with God. 
That can be a lot of different things. You know, you know personally where your weak points are. And avoid those times. Not attending places that distract from your relationship with God. Abide by the standards your parents have put in place. While other parents seemingly allow their youth to make their own boundaries. Because after all, they need freedom. Dear youth, if you want to find freedom, you find freedom in Christ. You find freedom in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan picks a, paints a picture of bondage as Samson grinding at the wheel. Today, sometimes we kind of gather from people. You know, my parents, I went through this phase myself. My parents were kind of old-fashioned. My parents are kind of outdated mentality. My parents, you can fill in your blank, but let me tell you what the Bible says. Deuteronomy 32, verse 7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee. Thy elders, and they will tell thee. Dear youth this morning, I think I'm safe in saying that every one of you come from an imperfect home. Our children did. It's your choice. It's a personal choice you make. Are you going to look at the imperfections? Are you going to look at the strong points? It's going to influence the way you make decisions. It's going to influence how you face life. What are some of the idols today that we may be, be tempted to bow down to? The stewardship of our time. Busyness can deprive us from meditation. We've heard much of the danger of our electronic devices. Another danger today, I believe, is reading many devotionals and books with questionable content instead of reading the Word of God. Reading secular books to figure out how to handle a sin problem in your life will confuse you. I'm not saying there are no value. But theology cannot take care of the sin problem. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ. Frequent contact with friends and our devices can break down goals you have in life. And may I say, especially when they cross gender. It's very, very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. Can a fire, can a man take a fire in his bosom and not be burned? There's many people that have been burned. Can you be a Daniel this morning? If you want God to help you in the furnace, you're going to have to have that relationship before you get to the furnace. Don't bow down to those articles. Now I'd like to go take a journey quickly through some scriptures. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, a deliberate choice. I asked the question this morning that God asked Adam and Eve. Where art thou? Where art thou? What are you walking after? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, it's a favorite verse. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may know, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Conformed. But transformed. Are you transformed this morning? I can't see by what your expression in your face, but when God looks in the heart and he says, Where art thou? Is your mind transformed? What are your goals this morning? 
Romans 6, verse 18. Being then made free from sin, ye become the servants of righteousness. That bondage that's there. <clears throat> Romans 5, verse 1 says, Therefore being justified by his faith, we have peace. That is the peace that we can offer this morning. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is set on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Peace is what? The absence of turmoil. But it doesn't mean that turmoil won't be outside. This peace we're talking about this morning is the peace that's in our heart. When we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, all of a sudden those worldly things become strangely different. What's your goal this morning? Where art thou? Colossians 3, 15, part of verse 16. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which all see you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing. Peace of God rule in your hearts. You're going to find, and you, I'm sure you have found, there's times in life that you may fail, and you may feel defeated, but thanks be to God, and 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can be restored back again into a right relationship with God. And as you find go through life, I think as all of us as older brothers and sisters, we find as we go through life, God continues to work in us. We have a term that we call progressive sanctification. And I believe that works in a Christian's life until he takes his last breath. But it's the love of God. It's not the judgment of God. It's the love of God that wants to sanctify us and make us pure and holy. I'd like for everyone to turn to Joshua chapter 24 and for closing verses this morning. Where art thou? Joshua 24. This is the challenge I'd like to leave you this morning. I realize that we can get kind of an emotional, hyped-up experience at Bible school, and that's fine as well. But really, we want this to be good soil and to go home and bear fruit. Someday, God may call you to stand where I'm standing. I'll be gone from the scenes of time. But this, you can have the same message that we had today, the message of salvation. Joshua 24, verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I trust that is your commitment this morning. Don't just say it. But when you're asked the question, where art thou? Make the commitment. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And in verse 24, and the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God will be served and his voice will be obey. Dear youth, if you have that centered in your life, you will not be disappointed when you come to the sunset years of life. May the Lord bless you.